I'm ready. Are you ready? Welcome back to the Fit Fizz podcast. Today, it's all about food cravings. Do you have frequent cravings? Is there one food that's constantly calling your name? I do. For me, it's chips. Just the crunch and the salt and the, mmm, I love chips. I'd personally choose salty over sweet most days, but that's just me. So chips are probably my biggest craving, and I kind of had to learn to go without them once I had this onslaught of food sensitivities that came along with all of my autoimmune issues and leaky gut because potatoes are part of the nightshade family, and That's one of the food sensitivities I'm still working on reversing. It's improved a ton because I've worked hard at reversing it. But yes, it's 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 still slightly there and it's still my number one craving. So what about you? What do you often crave? Is it usually the same thing or does it change a lot? I'd love to know. And you can always let me know on social media after the episode. Um, But whatever you crave, I'm going to explain a bit about why people get cravings, because it's not random. Um, My hope is to arm you with this knowledge so that the next time you have a craving, you can feel more in control and not let the craving have full power over you. If you're new to the FitFist podcast, my name is Kelly Wilson, owner of FitFistStudio.com, and I am a personal trainer, nutrition coach, behavior change specialist, autoimmune disease fighter, and I have over 20 years of professional experience in this field. The information shared is for educational and informational purposes only. I am not a doctor, so none of the contents should be interpreted as an intent to heal, diagnose, treat, cure, or prescribe. And now that I've legally covered my hiney by saying that, let's dive into some cravings. Ready? So as I was saying, cravings are not random. Most of the time, they're caused by one of three things. And that might be either blood sugar imbalances, issues in the gut, or low levels of neurotransmitters. And I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into each of those. So depending on what's happening in your individual body, one of these might be more serious than others. For example, if you have let's say type 2 diabetes, a craving caused by a blood sugar imbalance might be something pretty serious and worth fixing. And those imbalances might cause you to make poor decisions that can make your diabetic symptoms worse. Or if you already have an autoimmune disease, which usually goes hand in hand with good old leaky gut, then your cravings are likely to be created from leaky gut and the imbalance there in the intestines. The third reason, low levels of neurotransmitters, maybe if you're already aware that you might be dealing with some mental health issues, certain cravings might be triggered from the same depleted neurotransmitters in the brain and the gut, because we also have neurotransmitters, well, throughout the body, but they uh, might be brought on by the same thing that brought on depression or anxiety or other mental health conditions. These all have actually two things in common. And those two things are that food cravings are a type of inflammation and they are also hormonal imbalances. And it's time to wake up to the fact that out of control cravings are essentially a hormonal imbalance. Hormonal imbalances are not just something that means menopause and it's not just something that means low testosterone in men. It means so many things. And You heard me say this on other episodes, but there's a little bit of stigma around the whole idea of hormonal imbalances, whether it's 
fertility related or mental health related. But it's not just that. If you have adrenal fatigue, that's a hormone imbalance. And if you have cravings, that's a hormonal imbalance. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. It happens to everybody on some level or another at some point in their life. In last week's podcast episode, episode 14, I explained what's happening in the body when there's inflammation. As I mentioned then, inflammation is a sneaky thing that can escalate into much more serious conditions if it's allowed to continue what it does so well. And I want you to think about that word inflammation, like flames or fires. When the cells in the body are inflamed, think of those cells like tiny little fires that are kindling for bigger fires, such as all kinds of diseases or huge health issues. So when you have inflammation, you're essentially fueling these itty bitty fires in your body that just want to cause all kinds of problems. But let's dig into these reasons that cause cravings. So the first one on my list, blood sugar imbalances. So blood sugar is the concentration of glucose or sugar in your blood. And how do you know if your cravings are caused by a blood sugar issue? Here are some signs that your blood sugar might be off or spiking and dipping too much. Um, If you hit a mid-afternoon slump, but you're getting adequate sleep, that might be a reason or a sign that your blood sugar could be off. If you crave a late afternoon snack all the time, but you've eaten a healthy, well-rounded lunch, If you're eating a full meal, but still feeling like it's not complete unless you have some sugar afterwards, that might be a blood sugar imbalance. Or if you're always having cravings late at night, that could be another sign of a blood sugar imbalance. These might be infrequent or they might be daily. They might be mild or they might give you a feeling like you could throw a truck across a football field if you don't get whatever it is that you're craving at that very moment. And if you think that this might be your issue, you can test your own blood sugar and look at what happens before and after a meal or before and after you have some sugar. And if you're interested in doing this, I you can buy a blood sugar testing kit or a glucose testing kit. I'll put a link in the show notes to some of my favorite favorites that you can get on Amazon if you're interested in experimenting with this. Roughly 45 to 60 minutes after eating, your blood sugar will be the highest that it will go, and then it will start to go back down again. And if it's above 110, that's something to really take a good hard look at and possibly talk to your doctor about because that if it's above 110, it could be a sign that there's a blood sugar issue. And If you do decide to experiment like this, you also want to take some time to figure out what foods you're eating are really raising it the most. It's typically things like starchy carbs, fruit, and the obvious things that are mostly sugar like soda, candy, or desserts and things like that. So there's also the difference between sugar in fruits versus sugar in candy and desserts. Obviously, the sugar in whole foods is better. But if you already have a problem with blood sugar, then even the sugar in fruits, like, you know, the purest, whole, most whole organic fruits 
can still push your blood sugar into a dangerous range. And that will also likely increase your cravings. So things like greens and fiber will also, those will help to keep your blood sugar down and more stable and not have such drastic spikes, especially if you eat them with sugar. For example, let's say you have a green smoothie that's mostly green vegetables or a lot of green vegetables, but it also has some maybe like a few strawberries, a few blueberries in it. That might spike your blood sugar a little bit, but not nearly as much as if you had a smoothie that was like strawberries and bananas and blueberries and apples. That's really going to spike it a lot higher. And something else that you can do to help minimize cravings due to blood sugar imbalances is just getting enough fiber overall. So a lot of fiber comes from vegetables, also can come from beans. And the polyphenols that are in fruits and vegetables can also keep your blood sugar a little more stable and in turn reduce your cravings. So moving on to the second big thing that causes a lot of our cravings is issues in the gut. When there's a yeast overgrowth, this is a type of microbial imbalance where a person might experience a constant need for something sugary. If that's the case and the person keeps eating sugar, it feeds the unhelpful organisms in the body and simultaneously displaces the good bacteria. So when I'm saying things like um, like microbial imbalance and gut bacteria, think of this, this all falls into the family of like leaky gut, gut health, inflammation, all that kind of stuff. So as gross as it might sound, you have tons of living organisms in your intestines and they need to be there. There are good ones and there are bad ones. We need the good ones and we need a lot lot of different kinds of them. So when I talk about the good bacteria, that's what I'm talking about. They really just, they help break down your food. They help give you energy. They do a ton of different things and they're very microscopic. So in a way, it can be a vicious cycle. So when the beneficial parts of the microbiome or the healthy gut bacteria, when they become suppressed and overrun by damaging types of bacteria or microorganisms, that can just keep getting worse and worse and worse and worse until it's just really bad. This isn't something that happens within a day's time but it can happen over a course of several months, weeks, or years. And it's important to remember that when you're trying to reverse an issue like this, if that it's also going to take some time. If you have severe sugar cravings caused by this imbalance in the gut bacteria, you're not going to reverse it overnight either. It's going to take some real commitment to get the sugar out of your daily intake for quite some time. And remember that A yeast overgrowth in the gut is also breeding ground for things like candida, eczema, psoriasis, mood disorders, bowel diseases, and even cancer. And don't mean to be alarmist at all, but it's something to be aware of in case you do start to experience real serious symptoms that most likely will not be addressed by a regular doctor until they've gotten really, really bad. So I just want, I felt it was important to at least say that so that you know. So moving on with more of the gut relation, some studies have shown that when a person is deprived of food they crave for several hours, the microbiome responds in a positive way. So this might be some good motivation to help try to fight through your cravings. (laughs) So good bacteria in the gut can withstand a lack of food for about 6 to 12 hours, whereas harmful 
organisms in the gut will be killed off much sooner because they need it to survive. So in a sense, you can balance your your microbiome a little bit by not giving in to sugary, starchy cravings. By not feeding the yeast that's in there causing the craving, you are encouraging the growth of good bacteria that can then displace the bad bacteria because they can't survive without it. So that's pretty cool, right? So that's why if you give up sugar for a while, you eventually won't crave it anymore. So hopefully that makes sense. And think about that next time you're trying to fight through a craving. Something else I wanted to point out that is in a lot of starchy carbs is gluten. And for a lot of people with a gluten sensitivity, more often than not, they also have a sugar sensitivity that definitely happened to me. Gluten turns into something called gluteomorphin once it's inside the intestines. And its chemical makeup is like morphine, the drug. It's an opioid peptide. So as gluten is digested, it turns on the opiate receptors in the brain. And when that's turned on, that's when you also get the cravings for more of those foods. So when you cut out gluten, that's why when for a lot of people, if you have a gluten sensitivity and they cut it out, that's why they often experience uh, increased mental clarity, increased ability to focus and decreased inflammation. And I'm not by any means saying that gluten is bad. And I feel like I just have to say Uh, Yet again, another reminder that going gluten-free is not a diet plan. Only if you have a sensitivity should you worry about this, but I wanted to throw that in there. But let's move on to big reason number three for cravings, which is low levels of neurotransmitters. So neurotransmitters are kind of like a chemical soup in the body that helps all of our body parts communicate with each other so that they can all function properly. Some examples of neurotransmitters are amino acids and adrenaline, and so are dopamine and serotonin, which you might have heard about in relation to moods and mental health. There are also other neurotransmitters, but these in particular have a strong relation to appetite or lack of it. Now, it's possible for a person to have such an addiction to toxic processed foods to a point where you crave them so much that you no longer have a sense of what real hunger actually feels like. And you only eat in response to these cravings brought on by fake foods. Cravings might feel like hunger, but they're not. Some experts are even starting to call this toxic hunger. So keep your eyes peeled. You will probably start seeing toxic hunger as like a like a buzzword that's going to increase in popularity. Um, Toxic hunger is not actual hunger or true hunger that's brought on by a hormonal response. Hormonal response is the way hunger is supposed to happen. But toxic hunger is a chemical additive induced reaction to fake processed foods. And this is what can also lead to blood sugar issues and other health problems. Toxic hunger often feels so intense that it's not negotiable to the person experiencing it. And it's like this unbalanced dopamine in the body. Basically, it might be saying something like, if you don't eat a sheet cake right now, you are going to die. (laughs) And some even experts will say that that feeling is very similar to what happens in drug addiction. It 
feels that way due to the chemical reactions that are happening with the neurotransmitters in the body. Healthy dopamine levels are responsible for desire, and that's what happens before we get a reward. So dopamine is what gives you the motivation to seek pleasure or to seek a reward. Once you get the reward, though, the dopamine stops. And this chemical force behind dopamine is the reason why you can convince yourself to give in to a craving and then you feel guilty about it because the dopamine stopped. So you're letting the dopamine control you in a way when you give in to a craving. Because the dopamine stops, though, when they're, once you get the reward, that's why you will always be seeking more and more hits of that satisfaction. Because once you get the reward, the dopamine stops and the high from, from feeding it is not there anymore. But you know you liked it, so you seek out more of it or your body's trying to tell you to seek out more of it in order to find that feeling again. And that's how our cravings operate. It's kind of like once you have one donut and then a second one, and you're overpowered by this urge for a third one, that's because you're rewarding your own dopamine. You're telling your brain that if you allow the craving and reward it, it will keep getting more and it will keep wanting more. So if you can try to be aware of these chemicals in your brain that they want to be in charge really bad and maybe try to use your more evolved brain to draw a reasonable line and not let it spin out of control because those chemicals are strong. And I would even go as far as to say those chemicals are stronger than your willpower. And I think that's pretty believable for a lot of people. So once you reach a point that you feel like you've become addicted to something like sugar, you've slowly allowed the dopamine to be in charge of your actions. So again, it's just super powerful. And some studies have shown that people who tend to experience the deepest cravings tend to have issues with low dopamine. So when dopamine is really low, no matter how much you eat or what you eat, you always crave more sugar. If you think that might be you, it might be a good idea to try to eat foods or seek out supplements that support dopamine and serotonin production. And sweat and exercise is great for production of dopamine and serotonin as well. Even though I've divided these up into three different categories, they all affect each other and overlap in one way or another. I just wanted to organize it for the sake of explaining it. And um, overall, it's important to keep in mind that if you have recurring, cra recurring cravings, remember that it's not random and there are things that you can do to reduce cravings so that you're... Um, not one minute craving a donut and then the next minute you're wondering where six of them went. <laughs> and if that happens, that's your body's chemical makeup hard at work to just overpower your brain and your common sense. And I want you to remember that cravings happen due to biological reasons and the choices we make. So please don't allow yourself to believe that you have no power over your cravings because you definitely do. And I just want to say thank you so much for listening. I hope that you found today's episode useful. I hope that you will subscribe if you haven't already. And please share this with a friend. If you did find it interesting and if you want to try to cut back on some of your cravings, especially sugar, this is just a reminder that you can get my free five-day Flush the Sugar Fiesta, which is full of tips to help you break up with your sugar addiction. It's full of recipes and there's even a meal guide and you can get that totally free on my website or see the show notes for a link. And until next time, breathe, be smarter than your cravings and always celebrate victory. 
celebrate victory.